Welcome back. It's a brother got next, your favorite podcast. It's been a minute, but we're back. Me and my co-partner, my my ace, my guy, Darian. How you doing, man? Man, it's been a while, man. Looking forward just to getting back to it. You know, everybody's been asking, like, what's the next uh, episode? What's the next show going to be? So I'm just happy to be back at it. You know, it's been a couple weeks. Uh, you know, you're on vacation, uh, living it up, doing your thing. But uh, it's good to get back to the grind. Yeah, yeah. People are making it seem like we were gone for, like, a year. Like, yeah, man, when y'all coming back? Like, oh, it's been two weeks. It's equivalent to, like, an NFL uh, team having a bye. It wasn't that long. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, but you know how some of these people are. They want, you know, they, you know when you, you put something out every week, they expect, you know, the product to be, you know, every week. So it's like, Absolutely. They, they don't think we can take breaks or vacations and, you know, that we're just supposed to just grind this out every week. But yeah, <laughs> we, gotta, we need, we need, we need breaks. I mean, obviously shows go on breaks, you know, you have, you have seasons of shows and, you know, obviously they take breaks. So, you know, just, it's just like any other show, you got to take a break. Can't be doing it forever. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm actually really excited, man. Uh, we have a guest today. My boy, Alex Lopez, we go way back. We met back in 05 in Vegas. We both worked at the Rio together. This dude is a well-versed sports fan. I'm talking about this is the only dude I know that knows hockey, baseball, basketball, and football on an equal level. I, I don't really understand how his brain works that way. But let me <laughs> that that's, uh, you know, obviously the way I wanted to introduce him because it's, it's actually true. But Alex, how you doing, man? Thanks for joining us. Hey, gentlemen, thank you for having me. appreciate being on. Uh, looking forward to it for some time now. I really, really appreciate it. Has it been since 05, man? Has it been that long? It's been that long, dude. 15 years ago. Yeah, that's a long time. <laughs> yeah, dude. Time is flying. Yo, I, I think about when I started at the Rio, I was 21. Now I'm going to be 36 this year. It's like, yo, where is time going? That's crazy. I remember when you started, man. I remember, I remember the day you came in and you had that big old smile and it was it, me and Charles, uh, if those of you don't know, Charles was our manager at the time. Me and Charles were just like, look at this guy over here. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably like, this dude ain't gonna last long. <laughs> no, man. I knew you and me clicked right away because you started talking about the Steelers and I was like, oh God, the Steelers is like another one, but Charles loved the Steelers. Yeah. Uh, UNC dub was, was good. Good yeah, no, nah, man, it was it was it was a good relationship from the start. But tell us a little bit about yourself, man. I know you're you're a big time sports fan. What are some of your favorite teams? And uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Okay, so I'm born and raised in California. I grew up in a little uh, desert town called Indio. For those of you that don't know, if you guys know the Coachella Fest, that's where Indio's at. So <laughs> I was born there. Um, but funny enough, my teams uh, run the gamut of different places. So I was born and raised a Laker fan and a Raider fan. Those are the two that I can hold down. My dad really didn't watch baseball too much. Um, my whole entire family are Dodger fans. I did not want to be a Dodger fan. I just I just couldn't deal with that. So um, <laughs> I did start liking the Oakland Athletics. And the only reason why was because when I played Little League, that was my team. So I kind of watched them. And really wasn't a huge fan of baseball, uh, per se, like I was football and basketball. But when McGuire got, when the team kind of got dis dismantled and they were kind of going separate ways and, and LaRusso went to St. Louis, then they traded McGuire to St. Louis. That's when I kind of, that's the first and only time I ever switched teams. So I became a Cardinal fan, been a Cardinal fan ever since. Um, so that takes for baseball. For hockey, I really didn't get into hockey until my senior year in high school. And I told, I told some of my friends this story and probably know this already. But um, I really didn't start following hockey until high school. And 
the only reason why I picked the team I picked was because I started watching the playoffs and it was the Red Wings versus the Avalanche and there was a huge brawl. Even the goalies got into it. And <laughs> when the goalies got into it, I was like, that's my team. I'm picking the I'm picking the Avalanche. And that I've rolled with it ever since, man. So that's that's where my kind of my teams go right now. Is it? As it is. Yo, D, imagine if, like, foot basketball lets you fight. That would be crazy. <laughs> oh, no. They don't, want, they don't want that. They don't want the, they don't want the, they don't want the bras doing that. Trust me. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot, a Yo, lot of bras in, in, in basketball. You don't, you don't want them fighting. I mean, I mean, same thing in football. I mean, majority of football, is, you know, is obviously African-American. So, I mean, first of all, I mean, in football, it's, anyway, it's kind of like they got helmets on and pads. So, you can be a tough guy in, in football because you got helmets and pads. You got the protection. You know, unlike with basketball or, you know, even baseball, like, you know, they, I mean, I, they, I know they got cups and everything, but yeah, I mean, those <laughs> so they got cups. Cups. Don't they have baseball, don't they? <laughs> I mean, technically, you're supposed to be wearing that kind of protection for any sport, but I don't know if they're doing it for everything. <laughs> no, nah, but they, I mean, like for, for basketball, they don't wear cups. Like, I never wore, I played basketball, I never wore a cup. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. That's true. So I feel like, in every, I mean, all the other sports, I think it's like, it's, it's a cup. You know what I mean? I know, like, you know, sometimes they wear a the cup or whatever, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was, like I said, I mean, yeah, I don't think you want it in, really in basketball. Like I said, football is like, it's like fake tough guys because they got pads on. And they got protection on, you know. But yeah, I mean, hockey is the same thing. They have all those that padding on, but they I mean they really be going at it. I mean, they really be throwing. You know what I mean? Like it's like yo, a boxing match. Yeah. And one thing I've noticed, I've been to, I think I've been to two hockey games. And yo, Alex, hockey players are humongous. Like there's dudes they're, on the ice that are like six, seven. They, yeah, the Chara from the uh, the Boston. Uh, which I hate the team, but the Boston Bruins, he stands at six seven and this or six nine, I believe. And this dude is tall yeah. and huge. But some of these hockey players are just as big as, you know, some of the basketball players and football players out there. And some yeah. of them are built as big too. So Yeah, the big boys, the big boys. And you know, me and Darian can relate to you as far as our fandom because we kind of like teams from various places too. I mean, I grew up in Southern California like you, but you know, obviously I'm a Lake, I'm a Steelers fan. And obviously I'm a big Lakers fan. I like the Dodgers too. So um, and obviously Darian can can relate as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm a I'm a I'm a Cowboys fan and I am from New York, from Brooklyn. Um and then, you know, I've the only really New York team I root for is the Yankees. But like I said, they're like my I'm not I'm not a diehard Yankee fan, but I mean I root for them, you know, because you know, obviously like that's really the when I really started watching baseball, they were winning and you know, the whole tradition and everything. So I, I kinda took to them. And then in, in basketball I had I mean, I, I'm really more of a, a player for basketball. I don't really have a favorite team for basketball. I mean, I grew up a big Michael Jordan fan, so I was a Bulls fan, I guess, you know, in the 90s. And then um, as recently, like in the 2000s, you know, I was I was a big Carmelo Anthony fan. So pretty much wherever he was, that's who I rooted for. But um, I'm more root for players in the NBA than this team. So Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. All right, with that said, man, let, let's get it started. We're going to go through a couple of the um, – the topic, the big sports topics over the last few weeks since we've been out. Um, we'll, we'll call it, this is our quick hit segment. I'm going to bring up a couple of topics. You guys give me a couple, a couple of thoughts on them. First one up, man, Darian, your ex-boy, Tony Romo, just got paid $17 million a year as a broadcaster. I mean, I think we all can agree that he's a, he's a very good broadcaster. I think he brings a, a, a form of entertainment that we haven't really seen before, predicting plays. And you can just tell he has the charisma. He had good chemistry with Jim Nance. But $17 million a year, I'll let you start, Darian. Is he worth that? 
No, I've, I mean, to be honest with you, I've never even, this is like unheard of to me that an announcer getting like, you know, more than player money. I mean, so I, I actually looked up, I looked up like the top like receiver in, in, the, in the NFL, what they're getting paid. So I think DeAndre Hopkins is getting paid $16.2 million a year average. So Tony Romo is getting more than DeAndre Hopkins, the guy that's actually playing on the field. Yeah, I mean, that's that's insane. I mean, I mean, I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't. I mean, if if football didn't have announcing, I would still watch the game. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong, the announcing makes it great, but I'm not tuning in for the announcing. I'm tuning in to watch my team play. Mm-hmm. You know, so to pay somebody 17 million for them just to talk, and I get Tony Romo's great because obviously he was a quarterback. He knows, you know, he can see coverages. He knows certain plays or what, you know, obviously certain teams run, and that's great, but. To pay a guy like that seventeen million a year, I just think it's outrageous. I mean, again, he's he's making more than the top running back in the league, which is Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel makes fifteen million a year, and he's making seventeen. I mean, I just don't see how this even makes sense. How this is even like allowed? You know what I mean? Like, like how is a broadcaster making more than the players he's actually talking about or covering? It's it's insane. But yeah. To be honest with you, I mean. I mean, listen, I know things, certain presses have to be set for, you know, and obviously things, you know, because of inflation, everything goes up. But, I mean, come on, dude, 17 million. I mean, he's he's probably making more than in a year than he made in some years that he put, you know, when he's playing for the Cowboys. Yep. yep. You know, that, that's crazy. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's way, that's way too much money. I'm, I'm sorry. Alex, what are your thoughts on that? So I actually did a little research on this real quick. So I, I looked up, I know D, you said you looked up the highest paid players. I looked up the highest paid analysts in 2019 before endorsements. And I'm just going to run down a real quick list and, and how much they made per million per year so far. So this is just based on their annual salary. Skip Bayless makes $5 million, Dan Patrick, $5.5. Max Kellerman, $6 million, Mike Greenberg, $6.5. Bob Costas is 7 Troy Aikman is 7.5. Stephen A. Smith, who just renewed in November with ESPN, makes eight. Your boy, Tony Rumble, 17. And then the highest paid, which I had to triple check this with different websites and I cross-referenced. Jim Rohn, between TV and radio, makes $30 million annually a year for his. <laughs> wow. For so, I mean, looking at that, you know, there's a couple things here. So, I know, D, you're saying, like, how could that be? How, could, how can players not make as much as an analyst? There's, there's a reason why. The CBA, this is the reason why they're in the contract talks right now, why some guys are just wanting to get it done and get it over with, and some guys are actually fighting because you look at football compared to basketball and baseball, these baseball and basketball players are making bank. I mean, we're talking about crazy money for guys that are that are power forwards, that, are, that aren't even starters, that are making big-time money. And it's because that's how they worked it out in their, in their agreements. So this is where it comes down to the players have to really stand there and say, okay, the NFL makes X amount of billion per year. We want our guys to have not only, you know, bigger contracts, but guaranteed money that's going to pay us over the course of some time. I know when the last round of uh, NBA contracts were handed out, a lot of the players were texting and tweeting and saying like, what the heck, man? The NBA players are getting paid, man. What's going on with, the, with us NFL guys? And this is where they got to start really breaking down those talks and saying, hey, no, we want fair compensation. Tony Romo worth it? You know, yeah. Viacom's got a lot of money, man. So, you know, they can, <laughs> they can fork it out. I mean, so they can definitely, definitely uh, pay him 
Um, is he worth it? I, you know what? I, I, I gotta say, like, get your money. I'm not mad absolutely. At it. Nobody, yeah, even Darian didn't say shame on Romo. It, it ain't got nothing right. to do with that. D, I think no, 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 no. And I have nothing, you know, against CBS because, like Alex says, CBS has that money, they have the money to, to, to do that. Like, if they weren't in position to do that, obviously, he wouldn't be getting the 17 million. Um, but no, I'm not, I'm not mad at Romo. Listen, yeah, yep. you offer. If any of us get a $17 million contract per year to do a show or something, none of us are turning that down. For what? What reason? Yo, they just pay me $17 million a year to work at Target. I'm not going to be like, nah, I don't deserve that. I'm taking that <laughs> exactly. money. Exactly. I'm taking exactly. that money. So I think there's a couple of things here. So I'm glad you brought up the annual salaries, Alex, because I was looking at a, at a, at a, a list um, from Business Insider. They, 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 brought up, they came out with a list last year the highest paid broadcasters and one name that stuck out to me was al michaels who i think we can all admit is like a legendary broadcaster right he's been in the game right, for right. how long 30 35 plus years or so he mm-hmm. makes uh, according to business insider he makes he makes six million dollars annually you mean to tell me tony romo is 11 million dollars worth 11 million dollars more per year than al michaels that that's what kind of bothered me so yeah no i i i I have to I have to disagree with that. Yeah, I mean, like to, to be honest, like how can you say a guy who's been in with the business, what this is his second or third year going into it? Yeah, and is 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 uh eleven eleven million dollars better than a guy who's been in like thirty come out thirty forty plus years in the business and one of the best to ever do it and one of the best still doing it? I mean, yeah, absolutely. It just doesn't make it just doesn't make any sense. But getting back to what Alex said about the um. You know, he was saying he was mentioning how the players were obviously the NFL players were complaining about how much the NBA players are are getting uh, according, you know, obviously compared to them. The one thing I have to say about that is that I can't agree with the NFL players getting as much money as the NBA players. For one, their season is shorter and they play in a more physical, a physical uh, sport. So I'm I'm not gonna want to pay a receiver or a uh, well maybe maybe the quarterback position a receiver or running back, you know, two hundred million dollars for five years. That doesn't just make any sense yeah. from even a a, a, a a team standpoint. First of all, it is more players too. You have fifty three men on 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 a, on a team. You cannot pay guys, you know, two hundred, you know. Uh, 250 plus million dollar contracts on a 53 man roster because it's not going to even out. You, it's mm-hmm. just no way. You know what I mean? Obviously, base, uh, football has a cap, just like basketball does. Um, so it's not like baseball where there's no cap. So there's just no way they can it, it can happen. So I think when the NFL players are doing that, it just doesn't it doesn't really make any sense. Or I t- just totally disagree with it. It's like yeah, because you play in a sport where it's, it's less games. It's obviously you're only playing what I think it's four or five months out of the year. That's why it's way more. It's way more games. Mm-hmm. And again, it's only what twelve guys on the team, maybe fifteen guys on the team. So they can make they can make that type of money. It can, it can be evened out where somebody can make two hundred fifty million dollars for a contract. Then compared to you know a guy that's in the NFL who's making it maybe besides the quarterback. So right, right. I, I, I never understood the argument when. You know the NFL players try to compare their salaries to the NBA players. It just it just doesn't it, it just doesn't it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't jive. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Right. You can go, Alex. No, I completely agree with that, and that's that's kind of why I brought up that point too, as well. Is just 
to state like this is where you know this is where the money's going and you know back to the main topic so you know you're you're absolutely right Quap. al michaels is a legend uh, in the business he's been around for years and years and years but you know what tony Romo just got in a bidding war with espn and yeah. this is what happened so you know is he worth it you know I, I, I like I like him personally, but I you know what I don't think an announcer's worth 17 million, but he got he got hot at the right moment at the right time. Yeah, and that's another thing I was going to bring up as well. I think that I think CBS was afraid of losing him. I know that they had a deal for Peyton Manning in place just in case Tony Romo left, but I don't think they wanted to lose him to a competitor. So they figured like, hey, we might as well just fork out as this throw him an offer that we know a lot of these companies won't match, and it ended up working. So good for yeah, Romo. When I from what I heard from you that, that ESPN was really only was willing to offer him, I think it was 10 million a year. Mm-hmm. I don't, I didn't hear, I didn't hear anything about 15 or 17 million. So I think CBS went way above what ESPN was even willing to pay because from everything I've heard in, in you know, research that, they, that ESPN was only really willing to fork out about $10 million, you know, a year. Cause like, like Alex said, I mean, Stephen A, I think it's their highest paid personality uh, on, on the, uh, on, on their payroll. And that's, he makes eight million a year, so I think Tony. They were only offering Tony ten million. So for CBS to go seven million dollars more is, yeah, I can't be mad at Tony. You know, take the money. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and the thing about Stephen A is he works year round for the most part. Like Tony yeah, Romo's exactly. only working exactly. six months yeah. out of the year. I'm not saying he doesn't put in some work in the off season. I'm sure everybody everybody works on their craft in, in, in a certain way, but. I mean, dang, Stephen A, all the breaking news, especially with the NBA, obviously first take every, you know, Monday through Friday. So he's definitely he's definitely working for that money. That's for sure. So uh, we'll move we'll move on to the next topic. The Redskins, Darian's second favorite squad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're a little sister of the NFC East. First of all, I don't even know why, like, it's like, it's like people ask me why, oh, you must hate the Browns and the Bengals. I'm like, well, not really. They're never usually good. I don't care about them. You know what I mean? So, like. No, I don't hate the Redskins, though. I've never <laughs> told you that. Like, I, I'm more, I'm more, like, come on, you know, I, like, always laugh at them every year. Like, I laugh. Yeah, no. I, I'm, more, I'm more mad at their fans because the fans are so unrealistic. They think every year they're going to be good. They're going to be a playoff team or they may win the Super Bowl. Yeah. And it's just laughable. <laughs> it's not, I don't even get mad. I just. It's just more, I just laugh at them like, okay, like, really? You guys are going to win the Super Bowl? You guys are really going to make yeah. the playoffs? No, it's just more. That's why I always call them the little sister of the NFC East, and they always will be, especially especially as Snyder as their, as their uh, owner. I know. As long so, as he's the owner, they're always going to be the same Redskin team. He always so speaking of uh, speaking of your little sisters, um, they have the second overall pick in the draft this year, and there's a rumor – um, in the NFL world that they actually might take a quarterback. Obviously, they drafted Dwayne Haskins in the first round last year. Seven touchdowns, seven interceptions. I think we can all agree he didn't get a large volume of work. Um, but what do you guys think about the Redskins potentially drafting uh, maybe to a uh, Tagovailoa? Because we're assuming Joe Burrow goes first overall to the Bengals. But I'll start with you, Alex. What are your thoughts on the Redskins You know, maybe duplicating what the Cardinals did last season drafting Kyler Murray with Jaws Rosen on the roster. What do you, what are your thoughts on the Redskins potentially doing the same? So I have, <clears throat> I did a, uh, so I have a couple, a couple of quick hits on this. So one, I, I kind of looked at Dwayne Haskins stats for the season. He had 119 completions out of uh, 203 attempts. He had a 58.62 percentage. He had seven touchdowns, seven interceptions and a rating of 76.1. So I was like, okay, well, let me start looking at like some of the other guys that were, relatively you know starters that were were new guys like 
Gardner Minshew, and then I, I happened to kind of like look down and saw Case Keenum's numbers, and I stopped because I was like, wait a minute. He replaced Case Keenum midway through the season. Keenum had 160 pass, um, I'm sorry, 247 pass attempts. He had 160 completions. He had a 64.78 completion percentage, which was higher. He had 11 touchdowns and he had five interceptions. So more touchdowns, less interceptions, and his rating was 91.3. And I was like, okay, I can kind of understand where Ron Rivera coming in now is looking at a new quarterback because he's like, if this guy is supposed to be the future, and I get it, he's a young guy. He's starting out, it's his first year, but he's he's got worse numbers technically than Case Keenum does. And then you got to remember something else too, was that Jay Gruden didn't even want Haskins when he drafted. He, he didn't want to draft him. He was forced to draft him, and so he got him. So part of me is thinking, well, maybe Rivera is really looking for the next quarterback, or maybe it could just be smoke. It could be smoke, so that way they, they say, hey, you know what? We're looking to get Tua, and then maybe a team like Miami or a team that really needs a quarterback is going to try and trade up with Washington and say, hey, you know what? Hold up, hold up, hold up. We want this guy more, so we're going to give you the house. And maybe yeah. they're, they're playing with that. So that's the two, the two ways I'm looking at it. Mm. How about you, Dick? Yeah, I mean, look, like I said, man, I, I, I'm looking at this from a from an organizational standpoint. The Redskins have been who they are for the last, let's just say, 20 years. And like I said, as long as Snyder is is there as the owner, they just never made the right choices or the right decision. Now, whether they draft Tua, whether they keep Haskins or not, I just feel like it still won't work out. I mean, let, like, like, let's just count – how many times they made the playoffs in the last 20 years and they've been good in the last 20 years. I mean, you can probably, I don't even know if it's, you can count on a full hand how many times they made the playoffs or have been good. So, I mean, look, Haskins, right. He was seven and seven. I mean, you didn't get a large sample size. We, we still don't know. And um, getting back to Alex's point that, you know, obviously that, uh, you know, Gruden didn't really want to draft him, uh, last year. Yeah, that was all Snyder because the reason why they drafted Haskins was he is from the DMV. He's from Maryland. So he was a Maryland born and bred boy. Now he went to Ohio State but he's from the area. So that's that was the whole thing. Of, that was all Snyder. Snyder was the one that made that pick. Not not Jay Gruden. Now I don't. I, I guess he's going to give Ron Rivera a little more control and some more power, you know, power in the organization. We, we will see. That remains to be seen. Um, so, I, I mean, I don't know. Like I said, whether they draft Tua or not. Now, the rumor is, the last thing I heard was that supposedly Ron Rivera went to Tua and said that he wants to bring him in so he can compete. That if they draft him, he will be competing for the starting spot. Well, if you're drafting a quarterback that high, why the hell does he have to compete? You know what I mean? Like, if, if this is your guy, because you're, you're the new coach now. So, you know, obviously... When you have a new coach, when you draft a quarterback, you're tied to that quarterback. The quarterback and coach are tied to each other. So my thing is, why even say that? Just come out and be real that, hey, look, I'm not a Haskins guy or, you know, we don't, you know, we think Haskins is maybe more of a backup or maybe try to trade him. And you go get to it. I don't eat. I mean, the whole trying to do this whole smoke and mirrors thing. I mean, I, I don't know if Tua's worth, you know. You know, obviously, you know, for another team to move up and, and bet the whole house. I, I don't know if he's worth that, especially coming off an injury in, in college. Um, obviously, we'll see. But I don't know. I just think he's, whatever decisions the Redskins make, it, it just won't end up working out. See, I, I'm not. See, and you've actually convinced me over the years that I shouldn't always assume a team's going to be bad forever. Example, you. I feel like every year you think the Browns are going to be good. 
if well, that's I've given up case. on that, so you can't you can't get on me. I've, I've actually, <laughs> but here's I've the thing: if that's the case, and given up on that, the, the Redskins have made the playoffs way more times than the Browns have in the last twenty years. <laughs> but, no, they have. No, they have. No, and I and I agree with that. But I just think when you look at organizations, that's not. And you know, you know, we've had these talks in the last few years. Like I'm big on organ. Who who is running your organization? Who is at the top? Who is your GM? Who is your head coach? Who's the owner? And the reason why that I, I had to admit why the Browns would never be good is because I forgot to take my own credo and say, let's look at the organization. Let's look at the owner. Let's look at the GM. First of all, they hired a head coach before they even hired the GM. That should tell you all you need to know right there. And I'm yeah. talking about the Browns. Right. And with the Redskins, Snyder is known. I mean, he's just this guy. It, it's almost like he's predictable. He's known for overpaying for guys that are washed up in the league, that guys that used to be good. Then he brings them on and pays them a boatload of money, and they're not good anymore. A la, let's, let's just go off. Let's just go from the past. I mean, he did. I mean, Josh Norman had the had that one good year with the Panthers, and he paid the house load. Look at him now. I mean, they're they're pretty much going to cut him, and he's going to be he's going he's going to be. Are, yeah, they already did release him. Oh. Yeah, oh, they already did release yeah, him. Yeah, they, they already did release yeah. him. He's just known for doing that. I just don't think when you look at the organization. You know, no matter what decisions they make, it just doesn't end up working out. So I yes, will a team be bad forever? No. They may have a season where they, you know, sneak in the playoffs, they get in the playoffs, but they're not winning the Super Bowl. You know, the Browns may make the well, playoffs one of these days, but they're not winning the Super Bowl. Well, let, 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 here's my thing. So we we all I think we can all agree here that a quarterback is the most vital position on a football team. I'm, I'm stating the obvious here. So if, if you feel as strongly as the Cardinals did last year and you feel like this is the guy that can turn around your franchise. Now, I know the Cardinals weren't necessarily a good team last year, but I think we can all look at Kyler and say, oh, man, this guy has a lot of tools. Like He looks like he can be really good. He won rookie of the year. Um, so I think if yeah, but I thought that was a good decision. The, the, the Cardinals are not a bad team organizationally. No, no, that they're not. But a good pick. That was a good. Why, what I'm saying is, I'm not is, big on the head coach. I'm not big on the head coach. But well, what I'm the, saying I, is, I, if I, they feel if they feel that Tua can be that guy. Now I know he's coming off of an injury, but he's been cleared. Um, he says that he's 100. I know he's not only is he saying he's 100, percent but doctors are saying he's good to go. So I, I would I would I would go with that word. Um, I think Tua can be a special quarterback in the NFL just based off what I saw in college. I know college doesn't always equate to success in the NFL. We're actually going to get to that later. It's a little FYI for what's coming up in the podcast. <laughs> but um, I think that if they really like Tua and they feel like he can be the guy to turn around their franchise, I think they go with it. I think what the Cardinals did is they actually created a trend that we're going to see. We're going to see teams draft guys a year, one year, and then the next year, if they feel like the dude – coming up is going to be better they'll just go ahead and draft them so i think what yeah the but i gotta say i gotta say man that's kind of bad man because you just burned your first round pick they didn't even get a first rounder back for you know um, when they got when they traded rosen to miami so it's you're burning a pick there and it, it kind of just it, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth man i i personally hope that washington drafts the qb i hope they go into it because then now it just you know everything starts to fall apart at the top of the order and all these people were predicting that they were going to go after chase for you know the number two pick and now he falls to somewhere else so i'm hoping that that happens man, it, it just well, causes it, chaos. if i'm gonna burn a first round pick though and but i hit on a quarterback i'm okay with they taking that risk i'm okay with it because that's how important a quarterback is let's say Tua ends up being a star i don't think they're really gonna sweat not having giving up a first or you know giving up on haskins or giving up a first round pick i actually think they're gonna take chase young I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you because again i'm telling you right now with, with snyder how he is he drafted Dwayne Haskins last year because he was the hometown boy. Chase Young is also the hometown boy. He is also from the DMV. He went to DeMatha High School in Hyattsville, Maryland. 
I'm telling you right now, they're gonna take. They're not gonna take Tua. They're probably gonna take Chase Young. They're gonna stick with Haskins, and we'll see what happens. Like I said, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Uh, you know, give my verdict on Haskins yet, obviously, because we we saw a small sample size, so I really don't know. You know, You're I right. can't say whether he's, whether he's good or not. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I agree with you, Quab. In a way, from what I saw from two in college, could he be good? Yeah, sure. I mean, he looks good in college. He's won a national championship and all that, and that's and that's all well and good. But um, obviously, you know, he's going to be a rookie next year. We don't know with him either, so we just have to wait and see. But I mean. You know, look, like I said, the Redskins is an organization that have have not been good in the last twenty years. So, no matter what they do, they'll somehow somehow find a way to screw it up. I think, I obviously, Chase, <laughs> I, I feel like I, even though even if they, even though I will say this, if they if they do pick Chase Young, who I think is probably one of the best defensive prospects I've seen in years, um, you know, that would be a good pick. Even if they don't pick a quarterback, they take Chase Young. I mean, it's still a safe and good pick. I mean, the guy, I think the guy will be, you know, a most multi-pro bowler, you know, in years to come. I mean, he's, like I said, he's a, he's, he's, a, he's been one of the, I think he's going to be one of the great defensive ends that we've seen in, in, in a long time. So, yeah. you know, we'll see. Alex, do you think the Redskins take two? Um, no, I, I think it's smoke, man. I, I really do. Yeah. I think they, they'll probably, like, you know, D said, because I, I heard that too, that Chase is from the area. So they probably go with Chase, but in the case that they don't, then they trade out that pick for sure. They yeah, I, I I wouldn't be shocked if it happens, but I do think they, they take Chase and they try to see what they have with Haskins. So we'll see. Especially since Rivera is a defensive guy, he's going to want to go after that. Exactly. exactly. That he was kind of lacking in, you know, he was lacking consistency at that position in in, in, um, in Carolina for a while. So I think he's going to want to do that. So let's and switch here. Say- uh-huh. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to switch. I was going to go to the next topic, but you can finish your point. No, the one thing I would say before we get to the next topic is that Snyder is also trying to sell tickets. And the, the Redskins, while, you know, there's a, they have a lot of faithful Redskins fans out there, you know, the one thing I when I talk to a lot of Redskins fans is that some of those games, when they're bad, those, those, those seats are empty. And, and supposedly, in the years to come, Snyder's also trying to get a new stadium. So for him to draft two hometown boys and to sell that to the fans, and I think that's what he's trying to do. And I think that's the whole business model is that he's trying to sell, you know, hey, look, we have the hometown quarterback and then we just took the hometown, you know, one of the best defensive ends to ever come out of college. So I also think that's coming together, too. And like you said, Ron Rivera is more of a defensive minded coach. He's not really an old, an old guy. Um, so I, I like I said, I think they I think they go with young all the way. Okay, okay. We'll see what happens, man. Draft is not that far away, so we will see. I think it's a little over, uh, well, about, about a month and a half away, so. Oh, Vegas, too. They're doing the draft on the Bellagio water? That's going to be interesting. <laughs> but, yo, D, yeah, supposedly, they're gonna, supposedly they're going to take, like, a little boat to the stage, like, each draft pick. Like, that's a bit Yeah. Much. That's going to that's that's be, like, a five, six-hour draft. Yo. I mean, they could have they could have gone with the gondola ride, like you know, go Venetian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, one more one more quick topic we'll we'll uh, we'll touch on is Zion Williamson, man, phenom rookie rookie draft pick, NBA. Obviously, he uh, he's balling. He's ball. He's probably played fifteen or so games. He's averaging twenty seven point seven rebounds. I thought he was a generational type guy. You know, every every decade or so, you get the LeBrons, you get you get certain guys that come in, and you're like, yeah, this is that guy. I thought that when I saw Tim in high school, I'm like, this could be that next dude. Obviously, it's really early, but he's already making an impact. Is he already a top ten player? D, I'll start with you. 
Nah, not yet. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna buy into buy into all the hype. You know, like, I'm not. One thing I will say is that I'm not surprised at what he's doing. I mean, look, this is what he was expected to do when he came out. Came out. Um, the one thing that concerns me about him, though, is that obviously his weight and his injury. You know, obviously, you know, he was injured in college. He started off the season injured. Um, is can he keep the weight down and keep it to a, a to a point where you know he can play all 82 games or at least close to that? Um, you know, I, I still think he. I mean, he's more of an inside guy. Obviously, you know, he has he has a kind of a, that Barkley size that has that you know kind of a Barkley speed that can get go inside. And obviously, he you know he throws it down. He can dunk and do all that. I'm not big on his outside shot. Yeah, I still think he's inconsistent with the outside shot. He can hit the three. Like I said, he reminds me a lot of Barkley. Um, and then obviously, he had a trust Barkley career. I mean, that's a Hall of Fame career, so that, that'd still be great. Um, but yeah, to say he's a top ten player now, no. You know, I, I think he what he's doing right now has been spectacular. You know, a lot. Of, you know what this reminds me of a lot of, and, pe- and I was talking to people about it that he's having like you know when I, I don't you remember you uh, you guys remember when Blake Griffin came out of injury and um, you know he started with the Clippers. Obviously, after his, he was out that whole year and he he came out and everybody was like, whoa, what is who is this? What is what is this like? He was just you know dunking. You know, obviously all the, all the you know obviously all the lobs and everything and. And, and now he may not have been averaging as much as, as close to what uh, Zion was uh, averaging, but I think he was averaging over 20, but it reminds me a lot of that. And I, I keep saying to myself, like, okay, let's see, you know, obviously this is 15, we're getting a 15 game sample size. So let me not get too hyped. Let's mm-hmm. see, you know, obviously as the season goes on, obviously hopefully he plays a, you know, he starts the season next year healthy and we see, you know, what he can do for a whole season. So I'm kind of, I'm, you know, the jury's still, I'm still kind of waiting to see, but what he's doing right now is, yeah, spectacular. It's great. You know, it's, it's a lot of ESPN highlights, you know, Sports Center top 10 highlight reels. I mean, it's great, um, but we, I feel like we've seen this before. So I'm kind of, I'm, I'm kind of going to wait and see, you know, as, as time goes on. Yep. All right. What about you, Alex? Yeah, uh, looking at it statistically, statistically, yeah, he is having like a top ten, a top ten uh, player average. But speaking of him, like as a top ten all time or a top ten just in the NBA now, I, yeah, I talking right now, obviously, yeah, right top now. 10, yeah. yeah, top ten right now. I don't think so, just because like like D said, he's still young. He's only had fifteen games. I looked at some of the other guys that have been playing. J.A. Morant has fifty-five games. You know, uh, Don Chick has forty-eight games. I mean, he's right there with those averages, and he, in fact, he's probably he's beating uh, JA right now as far as points points per game. He's right there with LeBron. He's right there with Kawhi, and he's he's just a little bit under Damian Lillard right now. So statistically, he is just balling right now. But the longevity, you know, the weight is is a concern. Just like you said, that I think that's a great point that he touched on. Can he keep it down? Can he can he be the guy that can last that whole span of you know the 82 game season? So. You know, right now, no, I don't think he's he's top ten. He definitely is is balling. He's definitely having great a great show. But I think we have to see what happens. You know, when he's going a full season, and we have to see what happens when guys start really you know double double teaming him. Let's see what goes down with that. So, yeah, right. Yeah, I, I, obviously it's too early to, to put him. Um, and the reason that this was even a topic is because, of course, you start hearing people saying it. Oh, he's top ten. It's like, well, people need to pump the brakes a little bit. Now, I'm going to slightly disagree with you guys on this whole weight issue, and here's why. When you look at him, I mean, he's he's listed at 285, so he's a heavy dude. Plays with a lot of force, like a lot of great bang bang type of player, you know. But when you look at his body, though, he, it's not like he looks fat. 
or like like he's oh man that guy looks out of shape you can tell he's a, he's a he's got a lot of muscle like he's a he's a naturally big dude so like i don't look at him and be like man that guy looks like he's out of shape like i don't know Quab. he be punching out of that jersey sometimes like he he does have that <laughs> upper body the upper body i can see this muscle but when you go to that lower body like he got a little pudge coming out like a little it's a little tight around around the edges around his jersey. So, but you would think the dude that know. weighs two eighty five is like wide on all sides, though. Like, dang, this dude is huge. Like, that's a lot of weight. But I'm not I'm not saying that he doesn't. He shouldn't maybe try to get to like even if he gets to like two sixty. I think if you get if you lose that, you know, sh shave off the twenty five pounds or so, he can probably play with a little bit more speed. It'll it'll definitely help his game. Um, but I, I'm not as concerned with his weight. As far as injury, we'll see. I mean, since he's gotten cleared and since he's came back, he's looked good. Um, I, I, we don't know. Everybody's assuming he's going to have, like, maybe an injury-riddle type of career. I'm not too sure. But uh, for me, I just think uh, it's a no for me, obviously, because I still feel like, although he's made the Pelicans a better defensive team, like, their defensive stats have went up since he's been in the lineup, he still needs to – he's still not a great on-ball defender. Um, especially around the perimeter, so I think a lot of defenders are just kind of drawing him back, and, and you know, you know, trying to trying to beat him from that that part of the court. So he's going to have to really develop that part of his game uh, because he did show some flashes in college that he could be a pretty good, uh, agile, good defender. So I think until he does that, I'm not going to put him uh, quite that high. So yeah, also think, talking about also talking yeah. about the perimeter, I think a lot of a lot of teams are also doing is that. They know he wants to go inside. They know he wants. To, they yeah, he wants to. You know, like you said, he plays with that velocity. He wants to. You know, drive, go inside for the dunk for that. You know, like the the highlight dunk. So a lot of teams are playing him. You know, from the outside, they're playing him to to, to dare him to to beat him to beat them from shooting from outside. And I, I've seen that in the last couple of games. Now, while he's still scoring, you know, efficiently, I think when you see a lot of his, you know, when he doesn't make you know obviously make it or he misses it's a lot from the outside so that's what i was saying from the beginning that you know a lot of teams are going to play him for his for the, for the outside shot and try to prevent him from getting inside so i think he has to work on that part of his game as well yeah and i think that's what's exciting man and you you mentioned efficiency man he's shooting almost 60 percent from the field and this is him just starting his i mean obviously he's still very raw and just imagine how much better he's gonna get I, i'm like you said he already kind of has his shot's not broken. We know that. Like he has the ability to. He has like he could develop a nice uh, mid-range game. So once he does that, man, I think he can be you know excel to a top five player within the next few years for sure. So, yeah, yeah, you know his game reminds me a lot about Barkley. Like I said, it, yeah. He, and if he has a Charles Barkley career, like I said, that's a Hall of Fame career. It's nothing to be mad about if he if he ends up being like a Charles Barkley. Obviously, you you know you'd hope he win a ring, unlike Charles, but. Um, yeah, if he has a Charles Barkley type career, I mean, that's nothing to be mad about. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. But we want, we know one thing, he won't be a flop. So, I think that's established already. <laughs> yeah. But speaking of flops, um, this is actually kind of mean. I was gonna say, speaking of flops, it was Reggie Bush's birthday that he wasn't a flop though. <laughs> he was, <laughs> he was cool. Now, um, it, it was Reggie Bush's birthday the other day. We're switching topics now, and man, me and Darian, and I know Alex, I believe you're a USC fan as well. I Dude. think we, we can t we can talk for an hour about how how amazing Reggie Bush was in college. Like yes. D, remember the Fresno State game? Like he had. I'm gonna be honest with you. Yeah, Reggie Bush is the reason why I really started watching college football. Like before that, I mean, I probably watched it a little bit. Like I watched it like when Charles Woodson played for Michigan and they won the Rose Bowl, and I think he was and he was the uh, Heisman Trophy winner. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, I but like after that, I mean, before that and after that, I really didn't watch college football. But that first our freshman year uh, in in college, and I think even our sophomore year as well, I had never seen a, a college football player like Reggie Bush. I'd never seen anything like that, and I literally became a college football fan because of watching him every Saturday at USC. Yeah, and he. I, I think, yeah. Quad, we always talk about that game against Fresno State where we were just like in awe. We're watching that game like, yo, you got to be kidding. I mean, it was like watching Madden. Like, we were playing Madden. Like, we were playing yeah. a video game. Guys reversing like, field. I think he had like... I'm like, how over- is he doing this? Like, how is he doing yeah. this in real uh-huh. time? Like, it was and it was unreal. Like, how was he doing this in real time? It was it was incredible. Yeah. So, obviously, um, it was his birthday uh, earlier this week. He turned 35. And it had me thinking about guys that we thought would have like stellar careers in the pros but didn't really pan out now Reggie Bush wasn't a bust by any means he still has some explosive plays in the NFL but I don't think he panned out yeah. to the type of player we thought he won a could. Super Bowl yeah. yeah true yeah he did he did yeah but Alex I know that you're a, a SC fan so I'm sure you agree with me and Darian's take on how like I think he's the best college player I've seen in my lifetime yeah Reggie Bush was a human highlight uh film honestly like you you look at him and he came out of modern, I believe he came out of modern day high school, if I remember correctly. But uh, the guy was amazing on the field. And, you know, just to list kind of some of his achievements, just to kind of let people know who don't know about Reggie Bush's college career. Two-time All-American, Heisman Trophy winner. He won the Pac-10 Offensive Player of the Year twice. He was AP Player of the Year. He was a Walker Award winner. He was the Walter Camp Award winner. He had two national championships. Yes, I said two because the other one should not be taken away because of what happened. Um, he was a Super Bowl champ, and the most important thing, he got to smash Kim Kardashian. So I mean, like, they do <laughs> the- <laughs> I like how you said the most important. <laughs> no, Alex, I also like how you added a Heisman Trophy winner because a lot of people still say he, you know, obviously because of what happened, that he he's not a Heisman Trophy winner. So I'm glad you said that as well because even though in the record books they say he's not, we all know he was the Heisman Trophy winner. Let's be honest. Like, oh yeah, yeah nobody's best, taking that away from him. Look, yeah, exactly. We, the best Dude, and he didn't I'm sorry. Close. You know what I mean? Yeah. He didn't juice. He didn't cheat. The only thing that they said is he took some money. And, like, I mean, that's the story about a lot of college players. Exactly. Exactly. A lot of dudes just didn't get caught. A lot of dudes. Yeah. Yeah. So it had me thinking, though, had me thinking of a couple of guys that we thought would be, you know, beasts at the next level that kind of flopped out. It's kind of like a cold take segment here. I'll start with you, Darren. (laughs) Who are some guys you thought would be amazing, whether it's the NFL, NBA, like, who are some guys you thought would be amazing that kind of flopped out? Well, speaking of Reggie Bush, I'm going to go to his teammate. I actually thought Matt Liner was going to be good. Oh, that's I, a good one. That's a yes, good one. I, I actually thought Matt Liner was going to have a good good NFL career. Now, I didn't think he'd be like a Peyton Manning or Brady type thing, but I thought he would have at least a good, solid career. You know, a few Pro Bowls, you know, um, making a playoffs, maybe even making a Super Bowl. I don't know about if he would have won a Super Bowl, but I really thought he would at least be a, have a solid career. And yeah, he was not good at all. I mean, he got drafted by the Cardinals, and it just never worked out for him. And I don't—I was gonna say, did he? Did he? After the Cardinals, did he go to any other team? I think he was yeah. on the on the Raiders for a little bit, right, Alex? Yeah, he was on the Raiders for like a half a season, but he he jumped from team to team. He was mostly a backup after that. Yeah, I, mean, I, I never thought he would just be a backup. I I thought he would be like a starter for at least a good like you know ten year. I thought he had at least a good ten year career where he was a a, a a starter. But yeah, I I think he's one of the biggest flops, disappointments that I you know coming out of college football that I that I saw in my lifetime because I just I really thought the guy was 
you know, he was amazing. Because, I mean, before Reggie Bush won it, he won the Heisman Trophy. So, I, I kept saying to myself, like, oh, yeah, he's going to be good. He's going to have a good NFL career. But it didn't work out that way. Yeah, and it's funny. He got replaced by Kurt Warner, who ended up taking the, the Super Bowl. So, once that happened, it was, it was pretty much a wrap for him. He never exactly. really even got another shot. Yeah, so that's a good one, though. I did think uh, Liner was going to be a really good NFL quarterback. And he had no excuses either. He had weapons. I mean, you, you're talking about he had, he had Larry Fitzgerald and Anquan Bolden in their prime. It's yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's too bad. How about you, Alex? Who's who's the guy? Who's another guy that you, uh, well, you got? Well, Matt Liner was on my list, and I know everybody would probably say because of a Raider fan, it would be Jamarcus Russell. But I'm actually going to go opposite. I'm going to go to the NBA, and I'm going to say Greg Olden. Oh, 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 I had Greg, him on my uh, list too. Oh, yeah, I had him oh, yeah, Greg Olden. Yeah, because he got he got drafted number one overall by the Trailblazers, and you got to remember at that time he and Durant were coming out at the same time, and they had this big thing about the Portland. Who were they going to pick? Were they going to pick Durant or Odin? And Odin actually is no flop in in um, college basketball. He actually won quite a few awards, too. He's a two-time All-American. He was a McDonald's All-American. He was a Indiana Mr. Basketball, two-time USA Today Player of the Year, a Naismith uh, Player Prep Year of the Year. He was first-team All-American Big Ten. And the guy was a monster playing coming out of college. Now, I know he got hurt, and they drafted him being that he got hurt, but still... Greg Odin was going to be that guy that was supposed to take, you know, the trailblazers to the next level. And to think that they passed on Durant to take Odin and where Odin just didn't pan out. It was just one of those things where I was like, wow, man, that I really thought that that guy was going to be like the next, you know, Shaquille O'Neal, honestly. Does it remind you a lot of Sam Bowie and, and Michael Jordan? Doesn't that? Oh, it kind of does. It kind of does. Crazy? <laughs> yeah, the, the unfortunate thing with Odin, though, is I just think his was just injury-related. Like, I honestly think if yeah, he was healthy, yeah, he would have been He would have been good. I'm not going to say he would have been, you know, it's still, Durant still would have been the greater player, of course, but, yeah. Yo, D, you know who I thought you were going to say? <laughs> Yo, remember how much you used to love Joey Harrington? <laughs> oh, no, you, you know. Uh, <laughs> Joey Harrison, yeah, I did, I did, I, I thought he would be good, and I used to always get on me, and I, I was so wrong about that guy. Yo, you guys are gonna kill me for this one, though. You know who I thought was gonna be good? <laughs> Actually, NBA. Yo, I really thought Michael Oluwa Candy was gonna be good. No, <laughs> what? he got a lot of hype though. He was, that's that's actually not a bad thing. The Candy Man, yeah, the Candy Man. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I Yo, never why he was the, the, the worst candy number man. one pick of all time. One of the worst. One of the worst. Yeah, I, I, the, the, this is what this segment's about, D. It's about dudes that flop. So I'm, you can't get on me. No, but what I'm saying is I, I didn't think Willow Kenny would be good when he got drafted. I, I was like, who is this guy? I didn't know who he was. I'm like, who is this? Are you hating like, on the candy like, man, man? No, dude. First of all, and I watched a lot of college basketball at that time, and I was like, who the hell is this? Like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, yeah no. he got, listen, he had a couple seasons where he was he was all right. He, he had his 12, he had his 12 points a game one year. <laughs> That's not number one pick. Come on. Now. No, it's not. 12. It was a flop. But yeah, I did. It, no. obviously, I wasn't crazy for thinking he'd be good. He was the number one overall pick. So, you know. He was, no, nah, I never thought the guy would be good. I, <laughs> first of all, when he got picked number one, I was like, again, I was like, who is this? Like, who is this guy? <laughs> Yeah, I was like, I kept saying that to myself because I watched, I mean, I knew a lot of college basketball and I'm like, wait, who? I'm like, who is this? Yeah. Was, I know he's the, yeah. he the Pacific, which I, don't, I, don't, I didn't really know a lot about, but it's like, um, yeah, okay. Like, uh, I just feel like he got picked because he was like that, you know, was still in the, in the age where they were trying to pick a big guy. They always want to pick the big guy, the centers, 
and it was just like, okay, are they just picking them, picking this guy because he's like a center and he's big? Yeah. Like, doesn't mean he's going to be good. You know, another NBA guy I thought would be a star, because um, especially around the time where high school guys were still having a big impact, your Kobe's, your KG's, um, Tracy McGrady. I actually thought Darius Miles was going to be really good, too. Miles, another one. Speaking of the Clippers, um, yeah. I really liked him. Yeah, that's true. High flyer in college. Um, just a really exciting player, and he just never really panned out either. But the Clippers, the Clippers were bad for so long, though, so they just couldn't hit on anybody for a long time. Well, they also had Donald Sterling running the team, too. So that, you know, that can, <laughs> that's true. Alex, you, Alex, who else you got on your list? I mean, uh, Jordan Harrison was actually on my list, which is kind of funny that you mentioned. Yeah, him. Darian's boy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Jordan was, <laughs> was another one, too, that I had. I was so wrong about that guy. Yeah, Joey, Joey had a lot of hype coming out of college, and I, I had him on my list. But I also have Jeff George on my list, too, as well. So Jeff oh, George yeah. was a guy that never panned out. And he had all this hype behind him and just, just didn't, he just didn't do it. He had an arm. That was about it. Yeah, yeah. So the other guy, okay. So the other guy I had on my list that y'all, y'all might, y'all might get on me about, um, and I'm sure Quab is probably going to start laughing. Um, is uh, Tim Tebow? Yeah, uh, okay. I knew he'd be bad. Tebow? <laughs> See, that's what I'm saying. But here's the thing with Tebow. Okay, I know everybody was like, oh, he didn't have the tools. He couldn't do this and do that. I just thought he would be a good, solid player because I thought that. Well, one, I thought he may be willing to switch positions, and I just thought because of his attitude, and you know, he was a winner in college, and just the attitude he brought, I thought he would have a, a good NFL career. But obviously, I was wrong because you know, obviously, he kept pushing to be a quarterback, and yeah, it's like he can't do the same things you did in college in doing the NFL. But I did thought he would have a good career. I thought somehow, some way, he would be, he would impact some team, and you know, really help them. But. Yeah, I was wrong about that. Yeah, I can't lie, get on. I, I can't get on you for that one too much. I think what threw a lot of people off is that he was a first round pick. Remember, a lot of people projected him to be third or maybe even fourth round. So Denver yeah. like shocking right, everybody. Right. And you know, as far as him, you know, wanting to maybe switch positions before he came into the league, I think Lamar Jackson heard a lot of the same things, right? I think, you know, and um, right. I think Tebow truly believed he was a quarterback. And, and imagine if somebody, you know, didn't give Lamar Jackson that chance, we would we would never know. So I don't blame Tebow for wanting to play his true position. Um, right. But yeah, right. so I guess I can't get on you for that one too much. I just thought it was crazy that they drafted him that high. That was, that was crazy to me. Yeah, because I agree with you. I think if he went third or fourth round, he would have been kind of under the radar. Yeah. And it would have been it would have been not as like a flashing pick. Like he wouldn't have been paying attention to it as much. And maybe he could have gone somewhere where, like you said, they gave him a shot and he maybe surprised some people. But he obviously, like I said, he didn't do that. I mean, because like he couldn't couldn't throw. Yeah. Um, but uh yeah, I just thought like you said, I mean, to to for a first round pick was that was the crazy part. Yeah, yeah. You know another guy that um that I thought would be really, really good. Actually, I, I I would think we all kind of bring this one up, but I'm not sure. I can't lie to you. I was a little biased. I was believing the Anthony Bennett hype, man. I thought I had him on my list. <laughs> now that list. was a little biased, like I just said. That was just my heart. Saying. He didn't deserve to be the number one pick, though. I don't think any of us thought he would be the number one pick. I think we're pick. all a little shocked for sure. Um, but here's the thing: yeah. even if he was the the fifty fourth pick, he still would have been bad. <laughs> yeah, that uh, he was. A lot of people say he's the biggest bust ever. I mean, you you he might you be. talk about Candyman. You know, you talk. You at least he had seasons where he averaged double digits. Like Bennett was terrible, man. He was terrible, and he fizzled yeah. out of the league yeah. after like four seasons. At least Olua Candy stuck around for a little while, but it, it, it was really disappointing to see how bad he was. And of course. You know, it's our school. 
you know so we were of course it was it was a little more embarrassing especially since i'm i'm telling one of my our close friends vila who's a cast fan like oh yeah you made the right decision this is that dude <laughs> yeah that didn't really work out <laughs> that didn't really work out but yeah well we wrong uh yeah alex you got anybody else you wanted to bring i actually up? i actually had like hockey players and baseball players on my list but i, I took them off because i know your fan base so I'm actually interested in hearing what baseball player you had on there, though, because I mean, we obviously know baseball. Like, who, who did you have? There's like, so many. See, that's, that's the thing about a prospect. You know, you got you got guys that are hot prospects. You know, that that are coming into baseball and they they come in and they just fizz out for whatever reason. They just don't get it, or they don't they either don't get it or they just can't transition but billy bean was one of my uh top ones on the list because he was a 5-2 player that everybody had on their on their high hopes for getting him and then the funny thing was you know the, he he came out the mets took him right away they offered him a contract and he went out and just skipped college because he was supposed to go to stanford and he played and he just couldn't get it he couldn't get he couldn't get past i don't know if he got in his own head or what but now you know he's the gm for the a's and he's doing well there especially with the money that they you know that they don't have <laughs> but yeah. that's one of my that's one of my top ones because he was a five-tool player everybody was so high on him and they thought he was going to be like the next great thing and he just couldn't get it yeah yeah d you were going to say something before alex uh, did yeah i was i was going to say speaking of a guy i don't know if you guys remember this guy but this is kind of going back like in, in the early 90s a guy i thought uh, that was going to have a really good career but obviously you know he just had a lot of off the field issues was Lawrence Phillips. Oh yeah, yeah, trouble. Yeah, yeah dude. I think I, I really, I really still to this day believe if he didn't have the off the field issues, you know, the, the mental issues he had, I thought he could have been one of the the, the best running backs we ever seen in this league. Well, could I you? Mean, the, the 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 career he had in Nebraska. I mean, if you look at his highlights and the, the numbers he put up, I mean, dude, it was it was amazing. Like, I really thought the guy was going to be like, the, you know, like the next. You know, Emmett or Barry or Jim Brown. Like, I really thought he was going to be that great. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like I said, he his his issues were more off the field. I mean, obviously, he had a lot of mental issues, a lot of demons he was dealing with. Obviously, as you guys know, I don't know if you've watched the documentary on Showtime, the Lawrence Swim documentary. You know, obviously, he ended up, you know, uh, killing himself, committing suicide uh, when he was in jail. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, this is a sad story, man, because I really thought he could have been a great. NFL player. I mean, obviously, he kind of got in his own way, you know, obviously, like I said, with the off-field issues, but, yeah, I had him on my list, too, and, I, you know, like I said, I, I really thought he could have been one of the best running backs we've ever seen in, in this league. Oh, yeah. You can even point back to Maurice Claret as well. I mean, it's the same type of thing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Just uh, all the issues, you know, off the field just really caught up with those guys. But yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Right. And I think um, he was he was a special running back, especially at Nebraska. Although Nebraska had a lot of guys, you know, coming out that were they did. all kind they of. They did. Coming out that year. You know, they did. Yeah. They they've did. had a lot of running backs over the years. What's the big, what's the big guy I'm thinking about? He played on the Giants for a little bit. Real high. Ron, Ron Dane. Dane. Ron, Ron Dane. Dane. Yeah. That's yeah, another guy who didn't really pan out in the NFL. Obviously for different reasons right. but yeah i feel like they always have like these big running backs that don't pan out so yeah, yeah but no lawrence Lucas was, was a special like you said he was a special guy like if you watch that documentary dude you're, you're like wow like, yeah now he was he good really could have been that he he could have been that next guy like we could have been talking about him you know now saying yeah man lawrence was one of the best running backs in the nfl you know what i mean yeah for um, sure you know but unfortunately yeah man like you said just demons man you know some people just have those demons and you know it happened. I was thinking of putting Vince Young on this list, but then I really thought about it. I was like, I don't actually remember thinking Vince Young was going to be that great. 
So maybe, yeah, me too. Yeah, I, I wasn't really buying the hype now that I think about it. But I, I expected that, him to still have a better career, but yeah. That national championship is what got him drafted, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I agree. You know, it's funny, man, because you can name a couple of guys that got drafted off of like one big game. Like, they can't you, you can say that about Jamarcus Russell, too, right? Like, he had a really good yeah, right. game. Exactly. Yeah. Brady Quinn. I thought Brady Quinn was good, like, throughout the Notre Dame, though. I, I thought so. I thought he was pretty good throughout. He, well, you know what? No, he had that one good season. I'm sorry. Brady okay. Quinn one yeah. Last, his, his last senior year, he had, the, he had his best season. So you're right. It wasn't just one game, but he had, he had one good season. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. he's, you know, yeah. Yeah, but that was a good topic, you guys. I really enjoyed hearing about the the guys, you know, Candyman. I hadn't brought him up in a while. <laughs> poor <my> dude. Poor. <laughs> so, Candyman. Yeah, anyway, yeah. um let's transition to the last topic of the of the podcast today. Um I'm sure you guys if, if you didn't watch the entire fight, you saw highlights of Fury versus Wilder. Didn't end how I don't think anybody predicted it. I don't think anybody saw a, a uh, TKO by Tyson Fury coming. I think a lot of people either thought he would win by a decision or Wilder would win by KO. But um, they they will have a rematch. Wilder exercised it in his in his rematch clause. It's going to be July 18th. Just wanted quick thoughts on that, on that, on that rematch coming up. Do you guys think it will be different this time around, or do you think it's just one of those things that we see it in mat- uh, boxing all the time? You know, we've seen it with. I'll never forget uh, Vernon Forrest, who I thought was one of the more talented. You know, R.I.P. Vernon Forrest, one of the more talented fighters over the last, you know, twenty years or so. For some reason, couldn't figure out a guy who I could not stand, Ricardo Mayorga. He just couldn't oh. beat him. <laughs> and, and, and I'm just, I'm bringing that up because it's just. It's, it, they always say styles make matchups, and I really do believe that about boxing. And I'm starting to wonder if if Deontay, his, if, if Fury's style or his boxing acumen just is too much for Fury. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, for Wilder. So I'm just wondering, do you guys think the rematch will go any different? Uh, Alex, I'll let you go first. Well, I like, I like that you guys took two weeks off because we really got to the point where the fight happened. So we get to talk about a couple things. We get to talk about the fight a little bit. We get to talk about the aftermath and, you know, Wilder's excuse. And we get to talk about the rematch. One of the so, worst I've ever heard, by the way. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. But, you know, about the fight. So the real quick. So the reason why the fight kind of went the way it went was because, one, Fury was talking about he's going to come straight at him. He's going to start punching. I didn't believe that. I thought it was just him just like, you know, boxers will never give up their strategy. It's just they won't. They, they'll they say one thing and then do another. So I think the thing that worked out in Fury's advantage was he tra- he changed trainers. He switched up his style and he came out and he brought the fight to Wilder and he had to do that. It was it was actually a really good strategy. And I know that you and I talked um, a while back when the first rematch uh, co-op and I sent you a bunch of things about who should win and how they should win if, if they do this and they do that. And he just took the fight to, um, to Wilder and just really made sure that he could not come back from that fight. Um, he, he really just outpunched him. He brawled him and... You know, I know that Wilder was making the excuse that, oh, it was because of his gear and, you know, he had all this stuff on and it was like over 30 pounds. And he was, look, your, your legs weren't wobbly in the first. They definitely weren't wobbly in the second. They were wobbly in the third after you got knocked down that first. Yeah. Yep. So I don't want to hear that. You know, after that, you know, he could have said, you know what? He busted my eardrum. My equilibrium was off. Everybody would have said, all right. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. But no, nah, he wants to blame it on his, his stuff that he wore to the ring. The, the cool thing about this rematch is that both guys will be healed up completely. 
Wilder's still going to keep his guys in the corner. By the way, I got to say that throwing in the towel was the right move by his corner. Well, remember, there was a lot of criticism because people thought the ref decided to stop him. Like, And then we come to find out the corner actually threw the in corner the towel. The corner threw in the towel. Yeah. yeah. And that was the right, that was the right call. This guy was getting beat up and fighters are always going to want to fight to the end. They're always, you know, I'm going to die in the ring type of thing, but you can't, you can't let that happen. So your corners, that's what they're there for, to protect you from yourself. And it was the right call, the right move, I think. So going into this next rematch, you know, Wilder's going to keep his thing, guys. Fury's probably going to keep his trainer. He might switch it up again. I really think that if Fury keeps the weight, keeps pushing down on him like he did before in the, in the second fight, he can win this fight again. And we won't have a fourth. It'll be a third. But my God, if somehow Wilder knocks out Fury, oh we my could have God, a fourth that's going to be... We could have a fourth match. And yeah. that's, that's unheard of. Usually you go boxing, they go in threes. Very rarely do they ever go in fours. And it would be something to see that. So I'm really interested to see it. You know, it lived up to the hype, definitely. It shocked a lot of a lot of us. I remember I was watching it and I was like, I can't believe this. Yeah. He's getting bombed on. And it was a great fight. It lived up to the hype. And I definitely would definitely want to see this the, the next one for sure. Yeah, I think Quab, look, I think if our if our listeners will go back to the show we had with, with your brother Questy, the a lot of the things I said in that show when we were talking about this fight. I, that came to fruition. I kept telling people, I said, the, the issue I've always had with Wilder is that it seems like for him to win, he always has to knock out somebody. And I said, it's going to be a time, it's going to come a time where he's not going to be able to do that. He's not going to be able to rely on that this one big punch to knock out somebody or change the fight to his advantage. And, th- and that's what happened in this fight. It basically happened, what I said in that show, I said, look, what concerns me about Wilder is that he depends on that big punch to win. And I remember Questy saying, like, well, if Wilder gets that big punch, though, that's it. It's over. And you're right. Wilder reminds me a lot. Obviously, I'm not comparing him to, to Mike Tyson. But he comp- as far as their styles, Tyson always used to rely on that one, the big punch, the, the big right hand that to, to obviously win or change the fight. And I and I always said, and, uh, while I love Mike Tyson, that, you know, I used to love watching Tyson fight. That was always. That's why he never won the big fight. That's why he always had an issue winning against the top guys because he relied on that so much. Whereas, like the top guys knew, like, okay, if you don't, if I can get him past a certain amount of rounds, or I can stop him from not getting that big punch, I can beat him. I can outbox him, and that's what pretty much Fury did in this fight. What he pretty much did was say, okay, Wilder, I know you're gonna try to give me with that big punch that you got me in that first fight. If I can stop you from doing that, because I know you can't outbox me, I'm going to win this fight. And just like Alex said, that's what he did. He brought the fight to to, um, to Wilder. He 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 pretty much kept jabbing him, jab working the jab, and hit him in and hit him in spots where Wilder wasn't used to being hit in the face and the body. He was working everything. And I think, look, obviously I know Wilder exercises rematch clause, but I I. I kind of think I agree with Alex. I think the the, the third fight is going to go a lot like the last this last fight. I just don't think Wilder's style against Fury style is going to work. I mean, if he's still now, unless Wilder just somehow you know changes up his style a little bit and starts actually trying to box and maybe jab a little more, maybe he has a little shot. But I just really think in unless he lands that big shot that he did in the first fight, he really has no chance. I think Fury's going to win again either another stoppage or it'll be by unanimous decision. So I think the the, the third fight's going to go a lot like the second fight. Yeah, yeah. So you guys both made some really great points. And, you know, one thing I noticed during that fight is how, and Alex mentioned it, 
Tyson kept moving forward. He wasn't, I, I feel like in the first fight, he was kind of moving back. So this time he, yeah. he moved forward. He used that that weight. You know, a lot of people thought he was too heavy, but he he did that on purpose. He And, you know, it's not too many times in Wilder's career that he's fought guys bigger than him. And like this dude, you know, Wilder, what is uh, Fury, 6'9"? He put on some weight. We all said yeah. he's, he's, he's better technically. Like we know he's the better boxer. Like that's not even a hard Right, thing. exactly. And exactly. if you have a guy that's technically sound, um, that isn't afraid to get hit. And I, I think we can all agree, Tyson's not afraid of a punch. Like, he he was moving forward the entire time against one of the biggest hitters, in, if not the biggest hitter in the division. So he decided to move forward, use the jab, stay aggressive. And I don't. And Wilder just didn't know what to do, you know? I don't think he expected him to be that, aggr- that assertive. And, you know, Tyson Fury talked a big game before the fight about what he was going to do. And, you know, man, fighters are the best. The boxers are the best in the world till this day at promoting the fight. I don't care. Yeah. They're, they're the best. In, there's no sport even compares. So it can be two sorry fighters going up against each other. They can, <laughs> if they promote it the right way, I'm watching it. <laughs> so I just thought um, T- Tyson was just very technically sound. I don't. I agree, Darian. I don't think the fight's going to go much differently. I just think this is a style issue for Wilder. I don't think he and if he can't just you can't change your style. If you're a brawler, you're a brawler. Like I don't feel like exactly. I don't feel like I in just, six I months. Think he, Wild- yeah. Mm-hmm. I just think Wilder is just not. He's not a boxer. Fury no, is a boxer. And I, I think, Kwab, we've always, me and you have always agreed and said this, that the better boxer will always win the fight. For, for the, the most better, part. The, the guy for that the can, most part, yeah. yeah. For the most part, mm-hmm. right. The guy that can box better mostly wins the fight. Now, obviously, in, in occasion, you have the guy that can land the big punch and can get, you know, get that big, you know, whether it's the right or the left hand or, or a hook or, or an uppercut, and they get him at the right time. Yeah. Does it happen? Of course. It, it, it's boxing. You know, it, it happens. But if you want to talk about percentages, probably... 95% of the time, the better boxer wins. You have a small percentage of you landing that big shot to beat the better boxer. So, yeah, I just, I, I, like you said, Quad, I just think a lot, the fight's going to go a lot like last one. It's not, not going to be any different. Yeah, and I just think Wilder, Wilder gets a little too sloppy. Like he, especially when he's getting hit, he just starts to throw wild punches. And... I really don't think he can box that well. I'm just, he's just not a boxer. Yeah, he's not. Yeah, he's definitely he's a not brawler. a pure boxer. He's a brawler. He's definitely a brawler. And that's the one thing I was talking to Quab about when, I, when he was asking me, "What do you think about this rematch?" I told him, you know, the way that Wilder wins this fight if he gets inside and really starts to land some big punches. But Fury was actually the one that went inside and closed the distance and started landing the big punches. So I was actually shocked when I started seeing that. I was like, there's no way Fury's going to go inside. Like, he's going to keep his distance, use his length. But he didn't. He came in. And the one thing you guys got to remember, too, is that Wilder's hit him with some of his best punches, and Fury has a chin on him. And he got up at that on that last round of the first fight when he got when he should have been knocked out. He got up. Yeah, and I think he proved he had a good chin and that he's not afraid of yeah. that punch. Right, absolutely. And to get up like he did, he got up like The Undertaker did when he was in a <laughs> wrestling match. You know, like, <laughs> and this fool pops up like, I'm good. Let's go. Yeah, he was good to go. I was, that was actually... That's one of the more impressive knockdowns I've seen from from the guy getting knocked down. If that makes any sense, like that would have knocked out every other fighter Wilder fought. It would have. Yeah, absolutely. You guys see that Mayweather says he can coach uh, Wilder into into beating Fury. I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, nah, I no, you can't. No, like I <laughs> no, Bob. I agree with you, Bob. Like you said, you, you at this stage of your career, you, it just you are who you are. You're not going to change your style. You know what I mean? If you're a brawler, you're a brawler. If you're a boxer, you're a boxer. If you just you are who you are. Now you may change some 
little like you know kinks here and there you know kind of you know tune up some things but other than that you're not going to completely switch your style and I mean, obviously, Mayweather, is, you know, is no brawler. He's a boxer. Yep, exactly. So you would have to turn Wilder to a boxer for him to even have a chance, and that's not going to happen. Yeah, and that doesn't mean Wilder's still not going to go on and knock out a bunch of dudes. I just don't think this particular guy, I just think he's too skilled. And I think he's definitely the... And I, I like Anthony Joshua. Um, I know he has a fight coming up, too. So I don't know what's going to happen, especially if he wins his fight. But I would... It's going to be... I, I'm really interested in seeing what kind... It's been so long since we could talk about the heavyweight division. I feel like it wasn't relevant for a, a, a decade plus. I know the Klitschko's were doing their thing. But I guess in, in America, I don't feel like heavyweights were very relevant. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens, you know, once we get the third fight between them two and then seeing what happens with Joshua. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see it, though. Excited to see. Yeah. Yeah. So before we go, I, I it, while we're on the topic of boxing, I would love to kind of, you know, me and Darian have watched so many big fights together in college, especially living in Vegas. It was so close to home. But I'm curious as to what you guys think. Like, uh, I'm curious to what your guys' is, um, like, some of your, your iconic boxing personal favorite moments are. So, Darian, what would you say? Who would you say is your favorite fighter, by the way, or the favorite boxer of all time? You know what? It's funny. I, I now obviously I've been on the show and I've stayed on the show that I think Floyd Mayweather is probably the best you know boxer I've seen in my generation, but he's not my favorite boxer. While I, I, I think he's the best boxer I've seen in my generation, he's not my favorite. I would say it's really between Mike Tyson or Oscar De La Hoya, and I would I'm leaning towards more Oscar De La Hoya, and, and this is the reason why. I, I I always rooted for Oscar because I always liked how the fact he never stood down from a challenge. He always fought the big fighters. Now, he, he, he lost a lot of them. Every time he fought those fighters that he wanted to fight, he normally always lost, but he was never afraid of a challenge. And that's the one thing I always admired and loved about Oscar. Um, so I, I'm leaning towards Oscar as, as, as probably my favorite fighter. Now, I, obviously, everybody loves Tyson fights. We all love Tyson fights, watching the Tyson fight. I mean, Tyson was just good for, like, obviously, you want to see the quick knockouts and stuff. And his personality, you know, he was obviously... You know, a quirky guy, you know, who's out there. But yeah, I would say probably Oscar De La Hoya is probably my favorite boxer of all time. Yeah, how about you, Alex? You know, it's funny because, like, um, I have quite a few different boxers I loved over over the years, but my absolute favorite, which is going to going to trip people out is Vinny Pazienza the, the Pasmanian Devil oh Vinny wow yeah. okay that's a, okay I was a young guy when this guy came out just, he was just flamboyant and the way he boxed and everything like that I think it's just because a lot too my dad really liked him too um, you know, you would think I would like all these Mexican fighters, which I do. I do like a lot of the Mexican fighters, but like Vinny Paz was, was my guy. And the one thing that stood out to me is when he had the accident and he actually came on TV and he had the halo and he had the screws screwed into his into his head with the halo on there. So that way his head would not collapse on his neck because he broke the vertebrae in his neck. Wow. And I thought he was done and everybody thought he was done and he wanted to come back and fight. And People were just like not having it. They weren't gonna. They weren't gonna allow him to fight in the ring because they just they didn't want to see him die. And he came back and he fought and he won. And you know he wasn't like the, he didn't have the best record and the greatest record of all time or anything like that. He wasn't undefeated, nothing like that. But he, he won five major titles. He was he was a brawler and the guy. I just I just loved him and I actually had the uh, pleasure of interviewing him when I had my podcast years ago and it was one of my highlights of, of my thing because I got to really interview one of the guys I really looked up to as a fighter and I thought he was just amazing so he's one that's of my awesome. favorites of all time that's awesome yeah before you talk Bob yeah speaking of what Alex said yeah like I, I got to interview Oscar De La Hoya uh 
when I was, uh, you know, fresh out of college. My, I think it was, you know, I was a year out of college. I was working for ESPN Radio out there in Vegas, and um, he was promoting the, uh, he was the promoter for the uh, uh, Hopkins um, Winky Wright fight, and um, I got to meet him as well. So it was, uh, it was it's, it's funny that you bring that up. It's like, yeah, I got to meet probably a boxer of all time to get to interview him and talk to him. And I, I think I even took a picture with him. Oh, that's cool. Um, so. Yeah, no, it's a great Yeah, so I had two guys that I was stuck on. Now, one, one for some reason, did never really, people didn't really embrace him. Um, Now, one one thing that was cool about Mike Tyson was I feel like, 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 especially black people, we loved Mike Tyson. I was like, (laughs) Mike Tyson's a goat, man. He's amazing. Yeah, but you know what's funny? You know who I liked a lot? And a lot of my friends were like, why do you like this dude? I actually was a Lennox Lewis fan. Like, I just liked. I, for some reason, there was something about his style that I liked. I love that he was like so classic with using the jab and kind of just. I, I I really I was a fan, and I, I don't feel like a lot of people ever really embraced him. I don't know if it was because he wasn't American, um, but he just. I, I'll never forget. I was watching the Tyson Lewis fight back in '02, in my senior year of high school. And I went to a fight party at, at the at the homie Hermes's crib. I think there were about seven of us. I was the only one rooting for Lennox Lewis, and obviously Lewis ended up knocking him out. And all those dudes looked like they wanted to knock me out because of how much I was fearing. <laughs> it was so it was so pissed. But um, I've always liked Lennox Lewis, man. And even a post career, I like him as an analyst. I think he's very good. Um, I actually met him. I was at a barber shop in Vegas and. He was there for one of the fights at Mandalay Bay, and uh, he was a really nice dude. So I was glad that I was like, oh, man, you're my favorite boxer kind of growing up. So he was one and another one, and I'm surprised I didn't hear you guys mention him. I loved Roy Jones Jr., yo, in the oh, 90s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I actually, I think, and, and what, I want to know what you guys think about this. I actually think you can argue he's the best fighter of the 90s. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not... Yeah, because I mean, the, the only thing that people say about Roy is that he really didn't he he didn't fight a lot of like legit guys, and some of the guys he fought were like, I mean, they weren't they weren't that good. I mean, obviously he beat Hopkins that yeah. first time, and Hopkins was kind of new on the scene. And I know he I forgot who else he beat. He beat another notable guy, but he didn't have a lot of big like he didn't have a lot of big fights. And and, and to be honest with you, when he started to have the fights when he actually fought guys that were either you know as good as him or you know supposed to be like guys that could challenge him he mostly lost you know what so to be fair though that was to be fair yeah just a real quick point alex before you go to be fair he beat everybody in front of him like he beat yeah like there was really he was just dominating that weight class so it's not well that's the same thing they say about that's the same thing they say about floyd like you know especially floyd early in his career a lot of people say well no that's stupid i think people that say that don't know what they're talking about floyd beat a lot he's beaten a lot of good fighters i don't like now did he fight a lot of i i agree with you but a lot of people say in his earliest career he didn't beat anybody they'd be like well he you know people don't give him props of beating like you know castillo which is crazy dude castillo was an excellent fighter Right, or Diego Corrales. Like, I mean, I'm like, how are you not giving these yeah, guys or, or Arturo Gotti. Like, he's beaten. Well, that's the one they give him. That That's the one they give him props for, the, the, his early fight. The one they give Floyd Cross the beating was, uh, was Arturo Gotti because everybody thought Arturo Gotti was going to whoop him. And he ended up doing the, and it ended up being the opposite. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so. Yeah, but Alex, you were a Roy Joyce fan, uh, Jr. fan as well? Oh, yeah, man. I mean, he dominated the 90s. I mean, you got to remember, like, Roy Jones Jr., only, his only loss came in 97 early on was was due to a dq i mean yeah but he dominated that whole 
the whole weight class, and he even had two belts at the same time at one point. So, I mean, like, Roy Jones Jr. was the man for a long, long time. Yeah, long time. And I can understand what you were saying. He, like, he didn't fight really big-time guys. A lot of guys were ducking him. They didn't want to fight him. They didn't know. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so... Yeah, that may be true. That may be true. Well, they said, I mean, obviously, like, you know, the big report was, like, when, when Hawkins started coming in his own, I know he beat Hawkins that first time that Hawkins wanted to fight him again, and they said that it was really that Roy was the one ducking him. You know what I mean? Um, so, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, yeah, you know, every, you know, the beliefs, it depends on who you believe. I just know, obviously, then when he, when he fought, um, who's, the, who's the first guy to knock him uh, out? Uh, Antonio Tarver? Antonio Tarver, yeah. Yeah, so I remember when Antonio Tarver challenged him, and he, you know, obviously, you know, Roy accepted the fight. When he fought him, we saw what happened. It was like, yeah. whoa, okay. That was and the I rematch, too, because he, he won the first fight against Tarver. Oh, yeah, that was yeah, a rematch. Right. Yeah. And that's then they right. fought a third yeah. time, and Tarver won that one, too, right? Yes. Yeah, but yeah. Right. And then didn't he end up getting knocked out by Glenn Johnson, nah, he's, too? Yeah, well, since that, he's been, hasn't been great since those Tarver fights. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, crazy, he was still fighting until not that long ago. He had, like, the, uh, yeah. I, I might be off on this, but he had, like, the Russian belt or something. It was weird. Like, he was fighting in another in other countries. He was fighting uh, for a long, long. It was in Germany. Germany, was, Germany. I'm yeah, sorry. It was like his last fight, like in 2018 or something like that. Dude, that's insane. You know, he had he's he's fought over 75. Yeah. Oh, so he has 75 fights in his career. So it's not a very long career, man. But uh, he was he was so just his yeah. flamboyant style. He he was so awesome to watch, man. So that was one guy that definitely stood out for me. But um, man, love talking some boxing. Now, Alex, that's your thing. Man. You love some boxing. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully, man, we would, you know, um, that, that'll conclude the podcast for today, you know. And Alex, we would love to have you on at, at, at some point, man, especially when we have another big fight coming up between you and Quest. You might have four people on the podcast talking about oh, some yeah. of these fights coming up. But, uh, um, yeah, man. Well, let's have more. Let's have more for the Fury. Absolutely. We can, we can have it, we can, you know, week, maybe the week yeah. before. You know, the week of, we could talk about it, having both on, and yeah, we could talk. You know, make sure about but you know? Alex, yeah, if you don't have, if you have any last words, you know, definitely the time. No, I just, I just appreciate you guys having me on. It was fun. I enjoyed it. You know, I love, love the podcast. I've been um, hearing you guys since day one. So keep promoting it for you guys, and you guys are doing great things. And thank you, man. Thank you guys for having me on. Yo, so are you still gonna send me a text pleasure, about pleasure. what you thought about this podcast? Cause that's... Oh yeah, you know, no, I'll do that again. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna be like, you know, yo, I really like that Alex dude. He was dope. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but we appreciate you coming on, man. And D, as always, man, always a pleasure working with you. And uh, we'll do it again, man. We'll do it again real soon. So our, 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 our uh, you know, listeners won't keep. Well, I hope we do it. I hope we do it next week. I hope we're not doing two week intervals. So I hope we do it next week. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we'll be back at it next week, man. So uh, that's another episode of A Brother's Got Next. Make sure you subscribe. Tell all your friends. Um, A Brother's Got Next, both on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, uh, we appreciate you guys listening. Until next time, D, I'll, I'll talk to you next week. All right. Peace, peace out, man.